Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are now tuned in to the Jags Den Podcast, the official podcast of the Jaguars Wire, brought to you by USA Today Sports Media Group, and also the number one Jaguars podcast on the airwaves. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Jags Den Podcast. I am your host, Phil the Filipino. Uh, well, Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino, um, joined by, as always, James Johnson, the our fearless leader here at the Jaguars Wire. Buddy, how you doing this afternoon? I'm good, man. A little on the tired side. Um, got to go to work after this. But, man, um, I, I'm, I'm happy to be putting in some work on the Jaguars Wire, man. Um, tons and tons of content and news to break. Uh, that I've been itching to get to. And um, I think we're going on our third week straight with the Jags Den podcast. So we got some consistency going too, my man. Yeah, man, absolutely. I mean, we're obviously the go-to Jaguars podcast out there, the best around. So, you know, we want to make sure that we're keeping up with the content. And as we mentioned, you know, we have a lot of really, really fun guests coming up on the horizon. Really quick, I hope you guys enjoyed that awesome new intro. That's by uh, my buddy out here in Dallas, uh, up-and-coming producer Eric Michael. So shouts out to him. Thank you so much for doing that for us. And um, yeah, if if, uh, if you want to know a little bit more about his projects, I'll um, I'll definitely link them on my Facebook and, and Twitter. What do you think about that new intro, Jay? Yeah, I definitely liked it. And shout outs to Eric. Much appreciated. And um, as a matter of fact, I'll link his info if you send it to me. I link it in the um the bio of the podcast too. Or, what, or the description of the podcast, should I say. So, you know, get him some exposure as an up-and-coming producer. Yeah, absolutely, man. We just want to, um, you know, everybody here is, uh, we just support each other, and we're, we're creators. And one of the few things they haven't taken away from us is our, our ability to create. So we're going to keep doing that as long as we're allowed to. So, of course, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and tune in. And also, Remember that USA Today has added our podcast to their audio boom network. So big, big shout out to them. Thank you very much. Um, you know, not necessarily a huge week of news, but still plenty to talk about. Um, some draft related things as well as outside of the Jaguars locker room and in the realm of the the NFL universe overall. Um, Odell Beckham being the talk of the town. So we'll get into that a little bit as well as some other things. So. Um, one of the uh, one of the big stories as far as draft news this week was Shaquem Griffin. He had his pro day at UCF and multiple uh, multiple scouts there, as well as um, he reportedly met with the Jaguars about playing linebacker. Um, so with the Jaguars showing interest in him, should they draft him and would he necessarily be a fit? I've heard predictions as far as him being a later round guy between the fifth and the sixth, but I've also seen like maybe second day, third, fourth round, things like that. Jay, did you get a chance to see any of his anything from his pro day? And did he continue to impress? Because we, we know how he came out of the combine just wowing people. And what a great story and a really, really big inspiration. How do you think he would he would fit here? And, and what did you see from him? 
yeah, I saw bits and pieces of, or the highlights of his pro day. And, um, you know, he looked good as advertised. He looks like an athlete that you would um, expect to be one of those guys um, as a tweener. And a tweener meaning one of those guys is a hybrid player, um, a guy that can do a little bit of pass rushing, a guy that can cover, you know, this, that, and the other, just a guy that um, can do multiple things. And um, he, he was just as impressive in the combine while everybody sots away. It's, it's crazy that he wasn't even, he didn't even get a combine invite initially. And to see him come there and blow it out of the water, you know, it, it makes you wonder about the scouting process in general and like, you know, the flaws that, that are in it. Um, but uh, that being said, um, you know, like you said, Shaquem is a guy that um, a lot of Jags fans are high on and he's been projected uh, to go from the second to the fifth round, which I mean, that that makes him as a prospect kind of hard to gauge where he can go when you have that long range of rounds you can go. And of course, you know, the, the big deal with him um, is his hand and, and, you know, how do teams feel he can he can do uh, with his his. Well, I won't even call it a limited capability because on film, I mean, it doesn't really seem to be that big of an issue to me when you watch him on tape. So I think it's more so how do teams feel uh, that will hamper him as to where he'll be drafted. And I think that'll be the key with the Jags, who obviously like him, um, supposedly, according to uh, the reports we saw from um, UCF's. Uh, I guess it's their media website that they uh, their journalists go through or whatever. Um, he is a guy that they look at as a wheel linebacker, if I'm not mistaken. That's what they said, which is a weak side linebacker. That's what Telvin Smith plays. Um, they line up on the weakest side of the offensive line, uh, so to speak. So, um, you know, that that complicates things. Like if you draft Shaquem Griffin, where is he going to go? You know, like because obviously we had Telvin, Telvin Smith, who's a pro bowler at the linebackers position. Um, but I think if the Jags drafted him, I don't know that it would necessarily be in the top three rounds. I think I definitely think they would do it in the fourth round. And I think they would definitely have a plan in place if they drafted him because a guy like him, you do have to have a plan in place. I could see them if he can't play at the weak side linebacker position because Telvin Smith is there. I could see them using him kind of as a hybrid guy. Um, you know, think like Keanu Neal with the Atlanta Falcons who run the same scheme as the Jaguars. Um, you know, like like the hybrid players that the Seahawks have used in their past, kind of like Cam Chancellor, a guy that's kind of that can kind of play safety, but at the same time is kind of more like use like a linebacker. I think I can see him in a role like that. Um, and of course, he would get his use on special teams with Joe D. Camillus. He loves to use guys on special teams and um yeah I, I just think they would find somewhere to put him if they did draft him and, and he would be utilized greatly in Jacksonville yeah definitely because if they're going to bring in this guy then it's not they're not going to have they're obviously going to have some kind of plan I definitely don't see them coming into this thing blind and just be like well let's bring him in and we'll figure it out as we go no they're going to have a very specific outline laid out for him and I think it's just as far as a personality standpoint i think he would fit in great with this team absolutely the like defense would definitely well everybody I, I know the city would definitely embrace him just mm -hmm. looking at how how much of a uh an impact he's had already and he's not even in the league yet so right. i would love to see him in jacksonville but regardless of wherever he goes i know i'm already a fan so really mm -hmm. really best of luck to him so yeah, we he's will such see. a good samaritan man for yeah. the city man yeah. that's something 
you know, that I think the NFL overlooks at times is, you know, you, you need good people for your city, too. And, and Shaquem being from Florida, you know, being from St. Petersburg, you know, you know, he'll be dedicated to the Florida community, to the Jacksonville community, which is big. In addition to what he can do on the field. Absolutely. And then I'll also remember uh, he um, uh, he when they uh, won a national championship down there at UCF. So, you know, he's a champion, obviously. <laughs> so, right, right. Uh, so, you know, you definitely can't 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 take away that championship pedigree. Um, all I'm saying is Central Florida should have been given a chance. Hey, UConn just lost again in the final four for the second straight year. And we have a and well, uh, what is it? Loyola Chicago is also in the final four. So, hey. UCF should have gotten a chance. I'm just saying, but that's a story for wrong. another day. <laughs> You're not wrong, bro. Story for another day and another podcast. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, but uh, like like we said, really, really wish the best of luck. He's going to be here uh, in Dallas for the draft. Um, so that's going to be exciting. Maybe we can uh, see if we can track him down. That would be pretty cool. Um, we'll we'll see what what the next step holds for Shaquem Griffin. So, um, next up was far. We're going to stay on the topic of the draft and a lot of. At least between the two of us, Jay, a lot of discussion for the for our, for the pick is first, especially for the first round, has been a lot about quarterback. And uh, mostly, of course, we've been um, honed in on Lamar Jackson, which I personally got a sign recently that it is going to happen. So stay <laughs> tuned on that, guys. Um, but there are obviously some other positions of need besides quarterback that the Jack that the Jags should be considering some prospects such as Will Hernandez um, from UTEP. Almost um, Isaiah Wynn from uh, from Georgia, DJ Moore from Maryland, and also Penn State tight end Mike Jacek. You just uh, name a few. So Jay, you know you're more in tune with the with the draft uh, as opposed to I have this been this year. I've been kind of slacking a little bit. What other what non quarterback positions and also players have you kind of honed in on during this draft process? Yeah, I I really honed in on mainly two or three prospects for them to take if they stay at 29 aside from quarterbacks okay um and those being um UTEP guard Will Hernandez uh who I'm going to talk on in a minute here but I think the problem with Will is you know is he going to be there but if he is I think you sprint to the podium you take him you pair him with Andrew Norwell and the Jaguars could pretty much run on anybody at any given time is what and not to mention he's a He's a very good um, pass protector as well. So that helps out Blake Bortles. Um, and the other one being Mike Jacecki, uh from Penn State, the tight end, uh, being that you, you look at the wide receiver position. And me and you talked about this is they already have a lot invested in that position. I think coming out of free agency, they set themselves in stone to who's going to be their number one and number two, at least for this season, for the season of 2018. And that would be Marquise Lee and Dante Moncrief because of the money. Um, but, I mean, you th- that doesn't necessarily mean those guys are your number one and two. But, you know, you don't pay people what they're going to get paid for them to not start. Uh, <laughs> and, and then you got to take into account, especially in Lee's case, he's the most vet- veteran savvy guy of the group. He knows the system better than anybody. So he you, you have to think. He's going to start. So that's why I kind of gravitate towards not taking a wide receiver in in the first round, even though I really, really do like DJ Moore, who has learned a lot from Keenan McCardell, uh, who was his position coach at Maryland for at least a year, if I'm not mistaken. And, And I mean, looking at it, he probably had a hand in bringing him or recruiting him to Maryland as well, because typically 
you know, that's what receiver coaches do during the offseason. So um, that being said, but back to um, Mike Jasicki, uh, this is a guy that I think it, it gives them a receiver without them having to actually get another receiver to put in the core if that makes sense. And, and this is a guy that kind of, he kind of replaces Allen Robinson, if you will, uh, because of the, you know, he has the height, the weight, the speed, you know, he's a mix, a mismatch anywhere you put him on the field. And he can especially help the Jaguars in the red zone, even though he's not, you know, as good of a blocker as, um you know, some of the other tight ends. And, and I mean, well, when you look at this tight end class in general, a lot of them have, have weaknesses in blocking. And that's just how the, the college game makes it because they don't really block a lot. Uh, so that being said, this is a guy that can replace Allen Robinson, um, make the Jazz better in the red zone uh, because Blake Bortles is already, you know, for as much as we harp on him, he's very good in the red zone. This would make him oh, yeah. even better in the red zone. And um, I think the Jaguars would get a lot of good use out of Mike Jasicki and, and, and they would get a lot of touchdowns out of him in his rookie season, despite them having Austin Safarian Jenkins, who I think they might use more to block. And then Jasicki can kind of be that Joker role type of guy, kind of like they wanted to use Julius Thomas, line him up in, in the slot, uh, get him on a safety or, or a linebacker that can't run with them. And um, he, he creates a lot of mismatches. So just out of curiosity, so do you see anybody um, say that's say somebody is available that they didn't see that would be available anywhere between 20 to 25? Do you think there is somebody that they would run up there and try to initiate a trade? Looking at the Jags history in the first round, I don't see anything that would say that they want to trade up. You mean like in terms of, of moving progress and upwards in terms of like upper 20s or yeah like say somebody is there and and they they didn't expect him to be there and they know this is the guy they want but maybe someone else might come up to get them do you think there's somebody that they would maybe that is there somebody that you could see them trading up for yeah like i was saying i looking at their history i don't think they would but then again if you look at dave caldwell's history past the nfl draft or should i say past coming to the jacksonville jaguars he was the guy that was responsible, according to reports, for trading up for Julio Jones. So you can't right. like just completely take it off the table. And that was one of the craziest trades in NFL history. And it actually worked out for, you know, for the Falcons, who gave up a lot for Julio right. Jones. It's, it's one of those rare cases where you give up, you break the bank and you actually hit on a guy. And the Falcons, you know, I would know this secondarily as a Falcons fan where they were pretty much one player away from you know being that team and and he got him there you know even though they haven't won a Super Bowl yet but uh he's a guy that's been very beneficial for their offense but I don't think they would looking at his history his recent history but I will say this I'll name some guys that I would like to see them sprint to the podium and take uh if they were there um one of them being Roquan Smith from Georgia uh the standout linebacker like if he starts creeping into like the 15 to 18 range I mean, you got to like start considering it because right. putting him with Telvin Smith and, and Miles Jack would just, you know, it would be crazy. This is a guy that for Georgia's defense, he was killing it. And it, I mean, for you to stand out in a defense that talented, you know, chances are that means you're going to translate in the NFL. And a lot of Georgia defenders have translated in the NFL, uh, most notably, you know, Justin Houston. Uh, to name one off the top of my head, and it's been plenty of others. So uh, that's a guy. Um, other than him, um, 
I don't know. Like I, I personally would trade up for Hernandez, not too, too far, but he's a guy, like I said, he would just make the Jaguars, you know, he, he would upgrade their run game and make it to where nobody could stop them at any given time. So I would trade up a few spots for him. Maybe, um, if the Jaguars really love, even though we, we aren't supposed to be talking about quarterbacks in this, if they really love Mason Rudolph, like people say they do, you know, maybe, uh, but I, I think Dave Caldwell's maybe too committed to Blake to do that. But maybe Tom yeah. Coughlin might be a guy that'd be like, hey, look, man, it is what it is. This kid is very good. Um, I like him. I'm the, I got the final say in this and we're trading up for this young man. So, you know, right. you, you never know how that goes in, in the back room back there. But um, uh, it, it's unlikely. But I, 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 it wouldn't surprise me, should I say, for them to do something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Plenty. Uh, it's like it's like we've stated on previous shows. A very interesting spot that we are uh, that we're sitting in, so we're not used to picking later on in the draft. So, speaking of that draft pick and uh, the value of those draft picks, a uh, a one Odell Beckham Jr. has been making a, a lot of uh, well, his name has been surrounded by a lot of news, a lot of uh, a lot of stories, a lot of uh, rumors that have been going around the league. Um, the Giants have not been 100% full, the, at least as far as the top, you know, the, the GM and the owner and, and everybody else and the head coach sending a lot of mixed signals saying he's not he's not available, but also putting a price tag on him, which means he's available. I don't know, whatever, whatever they have going on there. It's it's interesting. And how many times have we seen the story of, you know, the the quote unquote diva wide receiver and but Odell Beckham, look, man, the numbers speak for themselves. He hasn't always been healthy, but the production when he's on the field, it it jumps off. He, I, I mean, he's definitely a top two or three receiver in the league. Now, a lot of um, we had that Jay had that article early in the week and, and posting what it would what it would actually cost in order to bring in an Odell Beckham. A lot of fans reaching out to us saying, hey. You know, we're picking later in the draft what we should give up. You know, what do you think this is a possibility? So before we thinking it's a possibility, what uh, both of us, I'd like to touch on. Do you even think this is a good idea? Should the Jaguars trade for Odell Beckham with their two year window plan in mind? No. And and I explained the reason, of course, in the article. But something I did leave out was the the problem with trading with Odell Beckham I would say yes to this if the Jaguars knew what they had in Blake Bortles if if they had the quarterback position solved um th- that being said uh Blake Bortles is too inconsistent in my opinion to pair with somebody like Odell Beckham and I mean you, you I mean Odell Beckham as you said he is a diva and you have to wonder like what what would happen when Blake Bortles start overthrowing him like he has the tendency to do and missing him and throwing interceptions? And I'm not saying that Blake Bortles is going to have a bad season, but what happens when Blake Bortles does have a bad season or when he can't get to Odell Beckham like he wants to? You know, you like would that cause a rift because Beckham is a guy that, you know, doesn't mind speaking his mind. And, you know, here you are, you've traded what two first round picks for a guy that all of a sudden isn't happy. So if they if they had their quarterback position figured out, sure, by all means, go for it. Um, But that being said, uh, due to that reason, mostly and what it would cost on top of that, you would have to give up. You know, you would have to pay him. I say no. You know, I I don't and I don't understand the infatuation, even though it's, it's people's opinion. And I respect that. I don't understand the infatuation with 
landing Odell Beckham for that cost and uh, with the question mark at quarterback. Yeah, I, 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 we were both on the same page here. It did kind of cross my mind, like, hey, you know, we have this pick at the end of the at the end of the first round, and I was listening to uh, Shannon Sharp and um, and Skip Bayless talk about this during the week. And is a guy in the twenty to thirty two range going to give you the kind of production that Odell Beckham is going to give you in the next couple of years? Probably not. However, think about the cost it would take, man. A, a first this year possibly a first next year, and then another draft pick along with paying him 18 to $20 million to, as you mentioned, a te- uh, for a team that just gave what committed $16 million to, to you know, uh, uh, Moncrief and, and Marquise Lee. It just doesn't make any sense, you know? Um, and, it, and yeah, he's, he, if we had, if we had gotten Kirk Cousins or if we had gotten, uh, Drew Brees, you know, if, if his name had been floated out there or something like that, if we had got maybe if we, even if we got an Eli, then maybe th- th- maybe this is something that that they that they consider. But we were talking about this before this started. If we weren't going to give that money to Kirk Cousins, you're not going to give that money to Odell Beckham Jr. So right. it doesn't make any sense uh, whatsoever. Now, of course, one of the main teams that he's been rumored to go to is uh, Los Angeles, <laughs> and man, that team. Uh, talk about since moving to LA, just being a, just being all in, and you know, right. good for them. You know, <laughs> they're, good, they're good for them. Team, man. You know, yeah. And, and I, if he went to LA, man, I don't know. Is that the team to beat? I mean, I know Philly just won without their starting quarterback, but like, is that the team? Maybe. I mean, right. I don't and know. It was a rumor too about another team in California, the Forty uh, Niners. That surfaced. I think I saw that today yeah. on Twitter. And like putting him with Jimmy G, even though yeah, they don't have the line, but you know Jimmy G showed us in the Jaguars game what was up with him yep. and and Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan is a guy oh. that can scheme past offensive line issues for the most part, and that's exactly what he did with the Jaguars. And putting Odell Beckham into that equation, man, they they become probably you know they they could be playoff contenders, you know, even though they just gave up two first round picks, but you know. I would like that that combo of those three together. Yeah, when we when we lost that game to San Francisco, I was not surprised at all. First off, it was probably our least disciplined game of the season, which is what really upset me most. If it's what's what's one thing to lose, but they didn't look good doing it. Now, of course, a loss is a loss, but like they just didn't go about it very well. Right. Um, but that team with Odell Beckham, man, oh man, that that division is just talk about a a shift from you know the Seahawks being the t- the team for the longest and now it's now it's shifting to you know San Francisco and, and LA right. um that 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 division is is going to be crazy now the Rams just like us are going to have a first place schedule so now you bring in all these personalities and and you see kind of see what see we'll see what happens if they have what if they go on a losing streak you know what happens what happens at that point um it's a little bit different here because we have some we have guys that have been together, you know, for a while right. now. Um, so it's, it's totally different, uh, d- totally different uh, dynamic, I believe. But oh yeah, and one I more think, thing to add with the Jags, um, I didn't mean to cut you off there, is but, but you made me like remember it when you were talking about the Jags and the personalities. Is one of the things about the Jags front office, uh, they they are good at scouting. And make no mistake about it. Yeah. And they've, uh, they've proven to be especially good. And people miss this. I don't know how. At drafting wide receivers. 
This team, yep. you know, and that's another reason to not get Odell Beckham. Yeah, I know Odell's proven over some of the guys, but the Jaguars have proven to get wide receivers, and not only that, they've proven to be able to find them any and everywhere. They found guys early, Marquise Lee, your um, your um, who is it, Allen Allen Robinson. They've been able to find mid round guys, Didi Westbrook. You know, and, and they've been able to get undrafted guys in, in um, Hearns and Keelan Cole. And you look at Tom Coughlin's history with uh, Victor Cruz, even though he didn't draft him. You know, he had a yep. he had a role in coaching him. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and what we already talked about with uh, Julio Jones, with Dave Caldwell, this team has no issues with finding receivers. And for them to give up that much for one guy that they can. You know, they can find somebody in that ballpark. You know, Allen Robinson was in the same ballpark with Odell Beckham. If you look at that one good season he had, he just yep. couldn't stay healthy. That was the yep. issue. So, I mean, I think, like, for that reason, too, the Jaguars should kind of pass on that, in my opinion. But yeah, this me. regime has been has been really solid at finding finding receiver, whereas the last regime obviously had its had its issues um <laughs> yeah don't even get me started you know uh, <laughs> <laughs> i mean look at it this way i mean if reggie williams had been a second or third round pick he he, he wasn't that bad right you know but he was he, he was the 11th pick in the draft you know <laughs> like i mean and then he was a guy that was supposed somewhere. to be drafted late in the draft too like late yeah. in the first round it's like what are you doing bro <laughs> yeah that whole i have no idea what what was going through the minds of that uh, whatever yeah i don't want to talk about it. <laughs> bringing back bad memories you know so um but yeah i, I def- definitely agree with you they they're able to find these guys later on in the draft you know um so i i'm i, I wouldn't i still wouldn't invite that uh invite all of that uh that headache into the into the locker room so yeah we'll keep track of that and then uh, one of the last things we want to touch on here a little bit is the NFL meetings that just took place last week in Orlando. Uh, notably, a couple uh, a couple of really big changes now. The catch rule, uh, they're still trying to define this damn thing. It should be the easiest thing ever, but for whatever reason, we keep having to revisit it every single year. And, um, and then this crazy story about how they just kind of changed the rule on the fly in the playoffs and didn't even tell them, like, what? What are they doing? You know, I, it's just insane. And then also the uh, the new penalty rule about low, lowering the lowering of the head, using the helmet as a as a weapon per se, which I think is going to be almost impossible to to referee. Um, Jay, what were your kind of takeaways as far as the NFL meetings, specifically these rule changes? Yeah, like the catch rule, even though it's simplified, it's still kind of, in my opinion, complicated. I think it should, or should I say, I think it should be simpler. You know, just if the player catches the ball and he gets two limbs down, you know, two feet, a foot and an elbow, a foot and a hand or something like that down. uh, If it don't touch the the ground after that, just count it as a catch. You know, in my opinion, just, just leave it at that. Just simplify it because you're prolonging the game is what you're doing. You know, because now referees got to go look at it in the booth and this, that, and the other. You don't want to make the NFL unwatchable. And that's what the the other rule that we you mentioned might do, too, is the helmet hit. Because referees are going to want to go back and, and look at, you know, was this player. I, I mean, I guess it's, it's kind of like at that point, it's obvious that a player was was leaning in with their head, which, I mean, that's going to be hard to stop. Um, I think that's something that in the end. 
I think they're going to go back to what the rules were last year as opposed to the helmet rule that they want to implement this year because it's almost impossible to get that out of the game. And I mean, you might as well play flag football at that rate. I mean, I mean, I know you're trying to protect the players and, and, you know, I think this is more so to show the NFL or the NFL is showing the nation that we want to protect the players, but like, do they really want to protect the players or are they trying not to get sued? You know what I'm saying? Right. And and right. the players at the end of the day know what they sign up for. Okay. They know they sign up for a contact sport. They know they sign up to a sport that's full of concussions and, and rigorous injuries and, and terrible injuries, terrifying injuries. And that being said, being that these players know that, you know, you can't take some of the things out of the game that has made it football. And I mean, I'm sure they could live with, some of the things that's going on, like, you, you know, with the with the concussions and because ultimately when they sign a contract as a rookie, that's what they sign up for. They know what they're signing up for, unfortunately. And at the end of the day, I think that they're, they're trying to make it too safe when the players understand that football is what it is. And that's a physical, brutal sport, unfortunately. Um, so that, that's kind of my take on it. So let me ask you this, Jay, because I, I never played. I never played football and, and I never played PB football or high school football. I'm I'm five foot four and I'm Filipino. It just wasn't gonna work, okay, right. guys. It just wasn't gonna work. But you played football in high, in high school, right, Jay? Right, correct. So let me ask you this because this is what a lot of players have been worried about. Would you rather get hit in the head or in the knee? You know what I mean? Like, right. That's what a lot of people are worried about now with this with this new rule is be, now that they're trying to protect the head that so much, it's going to force people to go low. Right. Um, and then ACLs are going to get torn and this, that, right. and the other, like, you know, when I, when I, that was part of the reason I didn't play football until high school, because I knew it was such a, a brutal contact sport. But when I finally made that decision, I, I knew what I was in for. And back then you can lead with your head and, you know, you could, you could hit with your head and it when that whole deal with use your shoulder pads, this, that, and the other. So, I mean, like, you you learn early in the game, at least by the high school level, what you're getting yourself into. And if you want to continue on throughout the process, you know, that's that's on you, you know. And and I mean, I don't know. It's, it's it, I know it's a touchy subject and whatnot, but I think the players know what they're in for and what the results could be. And I just think the NFL is trying to make themselves look good by trying to, quote, unquote, protect them when they're really just protecting their money. And and owners right. owners just want to protect, you know, not getting sued and and uh, you know we all seen the movie Concussion for the most part, which was a very yeah. good movie, very very telling movie of what the NFL has known for a very long time and just kind of swept under the rug. And now they're trying to make up for that by making it seem like they're they're playing a safer game when they're really just making matters worse, in my opinion. Yeah, and um, as, as far as the uh, um. You know, also with the catch rule thing, um, I don't know if you heard that story, Jay. Where I mean, his I okay. I, I personally, I didn't watch the Super Bowl. Uh, I was still pretty upset. I didn't watch it live. I have, of course, seen highlights since then, and there were a, a, there were, of course, two catches that were kind of under you know under review uh, right. during that game. And if that if those plays had been called the way that they had been all season, those would not have been catches. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you heard the story that I believe it was Chris Mortensen and Sal Palantonio reported that the league had changed that rule in the playoffs and just kind of went with it. You know, did, did you hear about that? I don't know. Um, 
but they just kind of went with it yeah. and didn't, and it kind of went under the radar. Like, how can you, how can you just do that? <laughs> you know, like that's, that's the NFL <laughs> for you, man. That's what happened when you try and like, <laughs> you know, make everything so detailed in terms of rules, man. And they had to find themselves changing the rule. I don't know. It was it blatant. Did they do it on purpose or like the, the reporting? I have to look into the reporting again, but essentially they had come to the conclusion that this is how the, the rule that as how it is now is, is how it was going to be called in the playoffs. And then it just, it, it just happened to come up in the biggest game of the year, uh, you know, right, in, right. in any, in any sport. Uh, and if I'm a, if I'm a Patriots fan, uh, I'd be pretty upset, you know, <laughs> hearing that they just had changed this rule because you you can't just. I feel like you can't just do that, you know. But hey, whatever. I mean, when when the when the league is printing money and you know people are going to come back, I guess it doesn't really matter. Right. Um, but it was just it was just really, really shocking. Like I said, man, just to that. simplify that, man. Just yeah. if if the player in, in the case of going into the end zone, if the player catches the ball. He crosses the plane, and when he hits the ground, the ball ain't on the ground. Just count it as a touchdown. You know. Oh, let me tell you, being here in Dallas after this, after they, the league had finally admitted that Des caught it. Uh, <laughs> oh man, man, let Ooh. me tell you. <laughs> I bet you that was a sight to see. <laughs> <laughs> that was, um, yeah, I guess, as the Cowboys being my second team, uh, being being you know located out here. Uh, going back to that season, that was probably the year for Dallas and, and Romo. That was probably it, <laughs> and uh, they they never, unfortunately, never got a chance. So, right. but granted, they probably shouldn't have been in that game anyway because the week before, uh, they were <laughs> against the Lions. Right. They probably shouldn't have won that game. So, hey, just you imagine, know, it all comes dude. <laughs> I was just thinking when you said it. Just imagine if like the NFL changed like the pass interference rule to make the AJ Boye situation that happened in the AFC Championship not look like pass interference anymore just like then jazz fans are going to be upset i mean we're already upset exactly they already took away the miles jack touchdown away from us yep so yep you know but but let's not get into it i'll get mad and there'll be another hole in my wall here in the apartment i can't really (laughs) afford i need my deposit back so um but yeah man that's pretty much all you you know we wanted to to touch on this week uh shout out to, to nick and jacob who couldn't join us they are on the road they are very very busy with their uh, uh, with uh, with basketball and football, so shout out to them, man! Keep doing your thing. Um, I, as always, have uh, been your host here, Phil Smith, aka Phil the Filipino. Um, currently, right now, um, I actually have a show next week uh, at SMU. I'm doing a fun little show there with uh, with some buddies, so that's where I will be. Also, working on this side project with my buddy Eric Cerna. Um, we're trying to. I don't know if you guys saw on Twitter, there was this god awful. Disney movie, Disney Pixar bracket that won out, and it was just terrible. And right now, <laughs> what Eric and I are doing, uh, we currently have a survey going out. We're trying to get to 100 responses. We're currently, I believe, at 76. That last I checked, and we're trying to get you know responses from y'all as far as what are your top 16 Disney movies, and then we will make a real bracket, and then we will go from there. So I will post that link on my Twitter. So if you guys could go out there and vote, that would be very, very greatly appreciated. And then we'll have a brand-new podcast I'll have set up with with Eric um, going forward, and we'll discuss, we'll finally settle what is the best Disney movie of all time. So that's some a couple things that, that I am working on here. Jay, what do you got coming up for us, man, with – a whole bunch of you know more draft news and, and other things going on. What do you have up on the horizon for us? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm working on some radio work. I'll probably be, um, you know, with the draft coming up, it'll be what next month will be April or tomorrow will be April. So I'm going to probably be doing radio appearances with um, my man Phil Jones at Fox Sports of uh, Valdosta. Uh, so look out for that. You know, um, I don't have any t- concrete days or anything set, but I, I'll, I'll post it on Twitter. Um, so that and um, like I said, of course, um, what I'm mainly focusing on with the Jaguars wire is uh, following, you know, where the Jag scouts are going, even though it like, again, it doesn't mean much. But um, following who they're talking to, like with Shaquem Griffin and um, others um, to, you know, just have that documented. So when, if we draft one of those guys, you know, it'll be up. And, um, yeah, pretty much, you know, more draft coverage on top of that. And um, that that's pretty much it for me. Um, you know, as Phil said, we're going to be uh, doing some coverage in Dallas at the draft. Um, so look out for that. Um, very excited for that. Can't wait. Um, be my first time in Texas. And, um, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, buddy, can't wait for you and Josh to be out here, show you how we do things out here in Dallas. Also, shout out to Marvel for completely – throwing off our plans so we have to go to the nfl draft of course the jaguars pick late in the draft so we have to then haul our behinds back from arlington all the way back to north dallas which is where which is where i live and um and then see the midnight showing of uh infinity war so yeah thanks a lot marvel we really appreciate that we weren't busy enough so thanks (laughs) thank you so much now that we're complaining we're very happy the movie's coming out it's been 10 years and we are very excited. So, but yeah, guys, keep, um, you know, just keep following us here at the Jaguars Wire and we will keep you up to date on all the latest Jaguar news. Once again, make sure you are subscribing iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Audio Boom, all of that. And then one more shout out to uh, Eric Michael for, for um, blessing us with this, uh, with that awesome intro. But guys, we will see you next time. Until then, go Jaguars and stay safe. <laughs>